Welcome, everybody. Welcome to uh, church tonight. Uh, we ready to praise the Lord? Amen. 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 All right. Praise the Lord. Um, just want to say welcome to anybody who's here for the first time, all you visitors, if there's anybody here, and all those that have been here many times before, you're welcome as well. Welcome back. Amen. Amen. Read a couple of verses here. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, well, I'm going to pray us in tonight, so let's go ahead and uh, bow our heads. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for every opportunity you give us to come together and fellowship in your name. Lord, tonight I just pray, Lord, that all hearts and minds will be open to you. And Lord, as we praise and worship, Lord, we just pray that you can hear. You can hear through those windows, Lord. We're getting ready to, 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 to praise you and honor you, give you all the glory. And so, Lord, tonight, Lord, I just pray that you would just, Lord, just bless this service. Bless everybody that came tonight. And Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So, Stan, we're all works in progress. Amen. Sometimes, amen. 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 She all are all perfect, and then you know whatever. I'm just saying, this side of heaven, the Lord sometimes has to come into our lives and pull things out, like old bad insulation, like old appliances in our lives. These strongholds, these things in there that we cannot move by ourselves. He needs to come in and help us move them out. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. And pray to go on up to the high places and knock them down. Yeah. That's right. Give me pray. Thank you.
good. All the time. Oh, thank you, brother. And all the time. God's good.
worship your holy name. Give them glory, church, sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. We worship your holy name. Lord, we bless your name. We thank you so much for your great grace and compassion upon us. We thank you. Lord, words cannot even begin to describe how, how marvelous and how wonderful you are.
Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Lord, help us. Help us. We need you. Lord, there's broken hearts here. There's broken lives here. Lord, some of us are blind. Some of us are deaf. Lord, some of us are running from you. Some of us don't know where we're running. Come, Lord. Have mercy on us. Pour out your new wine upon us, Lord.
Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we just want to thank you. We thank you for the air in our lungs. We thank you for the eyes that can see and the feet that can walk. And we, we take so many of those things for granted on a daily basis. And we just ask for your forgiveness for the great machine that is our body. And Lord, I just pray for your hand of healing to come upon anyone who might feel infirm or feel down, Lord. Because, Lord, you are the answer for everything. And we just thank you for that. We rejoice in that. I pray for every person here and for the people that couldn't make it to, Lord. I just pray that your, your hand of grace and love would go out to them. I pray for every family member by proxy of the person here who is connected to this body. And I just ask, Lord, that you would bless them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Bring them to a place where they can come to know you in a real and personal way. And Lord, I pray that we would not shirk from our duties as well as kings and priests, Lord, in spreading your gospel. What the wonderful good news it is, Lord. We just thank you. Thank you so much. Pray for a blessing on this place, a blessing on this neighborhood, Lord, and bring many to Christ. We love you, Lord. We love you so much. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I noticed while we were praising and worshiping tonight, there were some people that showed up during the praise and worship. I just want to say welcome to everyone tonight. Welcome to uh, the house of the Lord. We've uh, really been enjoying ourselves so far. Praise and worship was beautiful, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, now we're going to have some uh, praise reports and some prayer requests, and uh, we're going to invite our uh, brother Mark up. And uh, he's going to take care of that for us tonight. Good evening, brothers and sisters. All right. Um, before we get started, I'd like to read uh, from Isaiah chapter 41, starting in verse 8. I'm going to read 8 through 14. You want to join us with that? So. You know that Isaiah starts off by finding out who he really is when he's in God's presence. And that's a really humbling experience right, for all of us. And God has to sometimes let us know just exactly where we stand and who we are. We're not God. We can't take his place. We can't save anybody. But we can submit and we can rejoice and we can follow him in serving him. And so he says this. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its remotest parts and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. You will seek those who quarrel with you, but not find them. Those who war with you will be as nothing and non-existent. For I am the Lord your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, 
Do not fear, I will help you. Do not fear, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel, I will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, is the Holy One of Israel. We as the church, brothers, we as the church have the Holy One of Israel standing with us. And when we pray, that's who we are praying to. And there is nothing, there is nothing that He will withhold from you that is in His will, that is for your good, Paul says. He withholds nothing that is good for you. Some people may call you a worm. God calls you redeemed. He calls you the chosen ones. He has brought you from the ends of the earth. And if we knew everybody's story in here, we find out that people are from all over the place. God has chosen you and He's brought you here. And now He's given us the privilege of being able to call out to Him, recognizing that He is the one who has redeemed us. And He is the one that's going to answer these prayers and these praises. He's going to receive our praises. Amen? Alright. Father, we come as your children. We come and we give you praise and we glorify you for answering our prayers, for hearing our prayers, for encouraging us, for giving us wisdom. We praise you for the way that you orchestrate all things together to work for our good. We praise you for the trials that we have and for the the strength that we receive from you when we trust you. We are so grateful, Lord, that you have orchestrated our lives in such a way that we can, in all ways, we can give you glory. And we just humbly come before you now, Father, and we, we bring our hearts to you. There are things that were not shared today, Father. There are things that are burdening our hearts. And we just bring them to you and we lay them at your feet. And we ask, Lord God, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us the knowledge that you are watching over us. And though we may be counted as worms, you don't. But you're watching us, you're watching every day. And you're making a path where there does not seem to be a path. We ask that you give us wisdom, Lord God. Wisdom at work. Wisdom in the houses. Wisdom with our families. We pray that you would understand Dennis went to the emergency room today. Be with him and Deb and Zach as they attend to his needs. Lord God, you are the healer. You're the healer of souls. You're the healer of physical bodies. And we just ask the Lord God that as we see the things going on around us, that we would trust you, that we would know where our hope is, where not only our strength, but our loved one's strength is in. We bring you this church, Lord God, and we lift it up, and we ask that you would bless it, that you would encourage each one of us to build one another up. That you would encourage us to speak 
the truth and love to our brothers and sisters here. Lord God, this is your body. We are your children. We are your bride. And we thank you that we do not have to live in fear or be anxious or look about us always wondering what's going to be going on. For we trust in you. We pray for jobs for those who need jobs, Father. That you would open those doors. That you would open the doors for better jobs, for careers, Father, that honor you, that grow men in being able to speak about you, to speak to you wherever they are at. And we pray, Father, for Kevin as he comes to bring your word to us. We just ask that you would bless him, that you would open our hearts and our ears to what you have for us. For, Father, you are a good God, you are a gracious God, and you are constantly providing for everything we need. And we just lift up heaven as he brings us what we need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I just want to uh, once again remind everybody that uh, these prayer requests, take them home with you, brothers and sisters. Take them home and pray for them during the week. You know, the, that's one of the most powerful things, one of the powerful things we can do for one another is to pray for one another. You know, the, the word says, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So let's remember that this week as we pray for one another and bring these requests to him. Amen? All right, let's bring our... Uh, Brother uh, Kevin, up and he'll bring us the word. Amen? Thank you, brother. Well, good evening, everyone. Like Larry, I think I sang a little too much tonight. It's good to praise God. You know, um, I really wondered how I was going to open up tonight. I thought maybe go back with the, uh, the football story with Vincent Barty again and this is a football. But uh, something actually I, I would like to share a little bit about, and I, I, I hope you guys will receive it in the spirit that it's given. So when we come here and we sing, it's much more than music. It's us opening up our hearts to the Lord in prayer and praise. It's my heart's desire that you guys will be meditating upon the things that we actually sing that they would resonate with your spirit, and that you would actually be able to commune with the Lord. Because if we're just up here to entertain, we're wasting our time. We're wasting your time. We're wasting God's time. And our time on earth here is short. I love you guys. And I've been going through some things, and... God shared some stuff with me, and I'm just going to bring it to you because I feel that's what he wants me to do. So tonight we're going to be in the Old Testament. At least we're going to start there. We're going to be in the book of Hosea. So if you guys want to turn there, if you have my Bible, it's on page 1368. If you don't have my Bible, go ahead and find Psalms. Start going to the right, and you'll get there. It's right after Daniel. I love reading the Old Testament. 
There's parts of it that, that is hard to relate to, parts of it's hard to understand because it's, we don't live in that society anymore. We don't live in a society where people grow their own food. They don't rely on the Lord to provide the rains, to provide this, the sunshine, to provide the seasons. We have a much different life, so it's hard to relate. But something that, that I really do enjoy is singing all these different stories of humanity. Those are the things that I can relate to. You know, we, we, think, we think about, or like, I'll just say I think about, I think about Adam and Eve in the garden. They were created in moral perfection, yet their temptation still drew them away to sin. We were born into sin without moral perfection, and we still get drawn away from temptation, or get drawn away by temptation. The word says that every man is tempted by his own lust when he's enticed and drawn away. I read about Moses on Mount Sinai being in the manifest presence of God. When God asks him, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, show me your glory. So God puts him in a rock and he says, I'll make all my goodness pass in front of you. And yet, by, before he got down off the mountain, he already he blew a gasket when he see what the Israelites were doing. The Israelites saw him on Mount Sinai, thunder, lightning, and in this big manifestation of power. And they said, no, you go on up there, Moses. Whatever he tells you to do, we'll go ahead and do. And while Moses is up there, what do they do? They build a calf and start worshiping it. You know, Aaron says, well, here's your God, you know. Moses says, what is this? And he says, well, we just kind of threw some earrings into the fire and out popped the calf. And I don't know. We would do something like that. I would do something like that. It's like, okay, you know, three years old. Why do you have your hand in the cookie jar? Um, I was getting a cookie for you. I don't want the cookie. Can I have it? <laughs> um, you keep going through. I, one of my favorite stories, and it's really weird, I've, I've got a little crush on Hannah, and I don't know who, if everybody recognizes that name. She is the mother of the prophet Samuel. And she was part of a relationship. Her husband had another wife who had children and made her life absolutely miserable. And Children were huge in that society. They were a sign of God's blessing. She didn't have it. She was buried. She felt left out, out in the cold. And she came and she humbled herself before the Lord. She was weeping. She was praying earnestly. And the priest saw her and thought, well, she's just lit a little too much of the sacrament. Sacrament, a little man of Shevitz, you know. Uh, but uh, no, no, she says, my Lord, she says, I'm barren. I desperately want to have a child. And the priest blesses her. Your leader, the prophet Samuel. When we get to uh, Hosea, Hosea is a real study 
Um, it's the way the book is is divided up. It's actually two sections. One is the Bible story, and the other part of it is the parallel. And what it really is, it's it's like the prophets of old would do. They would actually personify the things that God is trying to tell the nation of Israel. We have we see one prophet. He's told the lion aside for so many days. And then he's supposed to roll over again for so many days to symbolize the captivity that they were going to be going into because of their idolatry. Some of the prophets were told, uh, told to cook the meals over heat and dumb. And the prophet begged, please don't, don't make me defile myself that way. So the Lord said, okay, go grab yourself a cow pie and light it up. Still pretty disgusting if you think about it. It is funny. Cow pies on cow pies. So we get to, um, Hosea in the story is something that when the first time I read it, it really blew me away. Didn't understand it. Didn't understand a lot of what was going on in the Old Testament. I was just kind of cruising through it. And uh, I thought, well, I haven't read this one. You know, I read Jonah. There's a couple, you know, a couple pages this way. You know. Read some of Daniel's stuff. I go, well, let's see what's going on with Hosea. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind. When I went to Bible study later that week, we had a, it was just, it's kind of funny, we had a, we had a question and answer session. And the guy says, well, write down all your questions. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. And I just wrote down, Hosea, what is this about? And that was everybody's reaction. I got snickers, got giggles. I wanted to know. Because you'll see in a moment as we read this why it was so scandalous. But it's a study in God's sovereignty, His holiness, His righteousness, and His mercy. Hosea was a prophet to the northern kingdom. And there was a there was a few to the northern kingdom. You know, Elijah's the best of them with the showdown on Mount Carmel. And then he went in, outrun all the horses on the way out because he thought Jezebel was going to take his head off the shoulders. And then later on, we see Elisha with that double portion. So much so that when Elisha passed away and they buried him, another man died and was thrown on his bones and came back to life. Wild. It's God's power. But Hosea came along about a hundred years after that. And uh, so let's go ahead and we're going to start in chapter one. And we're going to read chapter one, verses one through nine. So if you guys would stand. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Yotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. 
And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel. For just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel, to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned No Mercy, she conceived a born son. And the Lord said, Call his name not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. Lord, I pray for strength tonight. Lord, you are a sovereign God. Have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon each of us, Lord. Lord, I need your strength. I need your mercy, for great are you. Lord, would you please bless this time. Give us hearts that would be receptive to your words. Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see. And Lord, that we would respond to you. We thank you so much. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can be seated. Wow. Wow. I'll even say that backwards. Wow. <laughs> Here we have a man of God. Now, Hosea was not a priest. He was not a Levite. He was Really, there's not a whole lot that's known about him other than that he lived in the time that the kingdom was divided. But he was called for a special mission. And I'm sure the first time he was praying that, and the Lord said, I want you to take a prostitute for a wife. I want you to go out, find a, find a girl, fall in love, have kids. Oh, by the way, no, I did not say looker. Um, I would have been speechless. <laughs> Reading it, I, it's amazing. So let's take a look at this. The woman he marries, her name is Gomer. And in Hebrew, Gomer means complete in the sense that something is done. And I believe that it shows that the sins of the northern kingdom were done. The Lord has had enough. He is loving, he is kind, he is rich in love. But he is holy. And he is just. And he is a jealous God. 
That's something we don't think about. You know, we, we're up here, we celebrate His love. We celebrate His mercy. But God has wrath. He hates sin. He hates sin. And it's not just the sin out there in the world. He hates the sin that we still generate in our own hearts. He hates that sin so much that He gave everything. He gave everything to us to wipe out that sin. We think, you know, we, we think about the, the whole notion of covenant. And with Moses on Sinai, that first covenant, the law that was given, that was one covenant. But the covenant he gave us was signed in blood. And it wasn't just the blood of lambs or goats or oxen or doves or any other sacrificial animal. It was sealed and signed with the blood of his own son. And he is jealous for that covenant. And when we think about jealousy, we think, of, we think about it more from human terms. That if we're jealous over something, we're envious. Or we want something. Seku's got a great car. I'm jealous. That's not right. That's not the jealousy we're talking about. The jealousy that I'm talking about is that this covenant has been threatened. God made this covenant because he loves us. He made this covenant because he wants something better for us. He created us. We say we talked about this last week. Uh, you know, God has prepared good works for us that we would walk in. He paid that price because he was willing to go through it because he thought you were worth it. He thought you were worth it. He thought you were worth it. He thought I was worth it. Can't figure that one out. <laughs> but we see that you see that he took Gomer and he said, the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. And this was something that he had also predicted after, the, after giving that first covenant, after giving the law. Because he, he told the Israelites not to intermarry with any of the residents of Canaan. Because what you do, they're going to draw your way of heart to other gods. And there could be thorns in your eyes. They didn't listen. They said, oh yeah, yeah, we'll do that, we'll do that. You were great, you were worthy. Ooh, did you see her? And there was a, there was a point where the Lord, he didn't say if it was going to happen. He said when it happens. When it happens. That's when you guys are going to find yourself the dire straits. I'm jealous for my name. I'm jealous for you. I love you more than you will ever know. And I want what's best for you more than you can ever understand. And I see things that you guys can't see. And I know things you guys will never understand. 
until you are with me. But I'm jealous for you. Stay with me. Don't leave. Do these things because I'm not some egomaniac who just wants to be controlled. I'm doing these things and I'm telling you these things because they're good for you. They're going to keep you safe. They're going to keep you healthy. They're going to keep you in the state that I wanted you to be in originally. So Hosea goes out, finds, finds her, and marries her. And she gives him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will punish the house of Yehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. Jehu was a commander in the army of Israel. And he seized the kingdom from Ahab and Jezebel. And he initially eliminated those high places we were sitting about tonight. Later, he let that all go. Initially, there was so much zeal that he had for seizing the kingdom that all 70 of Ahab's sons had their heads taken off their shoulders and he put them in two piles entering the gates of the city. That bloodshed got revenged. Then Gomer returns to her trade. And she gets pregnant. She has a little girl. I believe the Hebrew name is Lohuhama. Means no mercy. This innocent child that is illegitimate will have no mercy. I can't imagine what it would be like to be standing in front of an Almighty God that says, I'm done with you. No mercy. No mercy. I'm dead where I stand. I would venture to say that pretty much. Every single person here who has ever stood in front of a judge knew their rights. They had nothing coming. That those people can identify with us. God said, I'll have mercy in the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. But I won't save them by both or by sword, or by war, or by horses, or by horsemen. God decided that he would preserve Judah, but they would go into captivity. And that is how he kept that royal line going. You still see that he's a compassionate and merciful God. And when she had weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, Call his name, not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. What an indictment. Imagine if, if the Lord 
has shown up in church. We're thinking we're doing really well. And he just said, you know what, you guys, you don't get it. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but you keep going in the opposite direction. You're not my people. And he walks away. It's heartbreaking. It scares the daylights out of me. So the question is, where does that put us? God has called us to repentance. Let's turn over to chapter 6 real quick. Let's look at verse 6. In this chapter, we, we see that both Israel and Judah are unrepentant. And there's a call. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us and he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us and on the third day he will raise us up that we may live before him. Right there we, we see him pointing towards the completed work of Christ. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as a shower, as the spring rains that water the earth. What shall I do with you, Ephraim? Or what shall I do with you, Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Therefore I have honed them by prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as light. The faithfulness that Israel and Judah would show would always be temporary. God's like, I don't What am I going to do with you? First you say you believe, then you fall away. You believe, you fall away. You believe, you fall away. It's what I do in my own life. Where does that put me? You know, it's funny, I was, was talking with Mark before, uh, before the service started. He was telling me about a gentleman that uh, asked him a really, really good question in the seminar. You've been walking with the Lord for, what was it, 20 years? Nothing's changed in your life. Maybe, you just, maybe it's time to do some self-reflection. I get that. You know, and it's it's not that it's not that we have the power to change, but we have to be willing to let the Lord change us. We have to be open to his sanctification. Let's take a look at verse 6. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. The Living Bible paraphrase has a great way of putting it. I'm going to give Kevin this, but he says, I don't want your sacrifices, I want your love. I don't want you burnt offerings. I want you to know me. The brothers and sisters tonight, God is calling out to us. He says, I don't need all the pomposity. I don't need all the gala. I don't need all the spectacle. I want you to know me. That's why I came. That's why I sent my son. It's because I want to 
I want you to know me. It's the heart of the Father calling out to their children. And we, we've studied we've studied love. It's that tough love. It's a painful love. But it's an enduring love. So as we get back to the first part of the story. We find in, in chapter 2, God tells Hosea to go find his wife who's run away back into her prostitution, lead her out to the wilderness and woo her, call her back, show her how much you love her. And again, we see this is another picture of how God calls to us. He will allow us to go out into the wilderness areas. But we're not out there alone. Sometimes we have to be in those dry places for him to get our attention. And he calls out. He says, look, I love you. Don't want you to do this anymore. Come. Come back to me. I've got everything you could ever need or want. And we see that all the good things that had happened to her, the, the provisions that she had while she was away, they were still coming from Hosea's hand. Hosea still provided the food, still provided clothing for her. She didn't even know. And in the same way, God loves us. And when we're out away from Him, He will still be reaching out for us. Later on, Gomer takes off again. And he says, go. The Lord says to him in chapter 3, go. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods. He sends Hosea out to look for Gomer again. And you know, I cannot imagine what it would be like having to be out there looking for a woman that is a known prostitute that you've married. You know what she's doing. Everybody else knows what she's doing. Everybody knows the family. Hey, Hosea, how's your wife and my kid? Hey, I'm looking for Gomer. Yeah, who is it? No, come on, guys. Have you seen her? Dude, everybody's seen her. And he goes and he looks for her and he finds her. And she's sold herself into slavery. And he redeems her. And he brings her back. We see that God calls Israel to repentance. He calls us to repentance. The mercy is promised. And our children are accepted. While this prophecy was about Israel, we can see how it points to Jesus and why he came to save us. 
So once again, I'll ask, where does that put us? Let's turn to Second Peter. Chapter 1. And then we're going to start in verse 3. His divine power has granted to us things, all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. We're called to make our calling and election sure. How do we do that? Is it just get up in the morning, get on knees, say a few words, read a couple Bible verses to be on our way? Or is it something more? Is it something deeper? We have a God of infinite love. And that God wants us to know Him. He's given us all things that pertain to life and confidence. So when we look at, at this list that Peter gives us, it shows us a path of sanctification. And these are things that God gives to us. We don't earn them. We can't buy them. We can't beg, borrow, or steal them. But he gives them to us because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. You know, the psalmist said, I'll make my plans, but you direct my steps. And that's exactly what we should be doing. So when Peter talks about this, he says, okay, God's given you faith, but take a step. There's your virtue. Take another step. There's your knowledge. Take another step. Keep your eyes on him. And as we do that, we walk with him. As we do that, we grow. As we do that, he redeems us from those spiritual things that he uses adultery and prostitution. This list sounds a little bit like Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Let me talk about that. And I'll just go ahead and go there real quick. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, 
whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Give us some great promises. God says, I bought you. I brought you out of slavery. Stay with me. I have wonderful things for you. I will give you my peace. I will cleanse you. I will keep you. I will give you life. And you will become more and more like me every day. What a great promise, huh? Who wants to be more like God? We have a Father who loves us so much that He gave everything to save us from that wrath against sin. You know, um, we think about why are we saved? What are we saved exactly from? What separates us from the world? Why? Why? Why do I need to be a Christian? Why do I need to? Well, I just need to say a prayer and be part of the Jesus Club. What is it? What is it that separates us from him? Or is it a heart to him? For myself, my encounter with the Lord, he's given me a conscience. And there's times I really hate having a conscience. Yes, then, I really hate having a conscience. <laughs> But he's given me a conscience and I care about people. Really want to buy a t-shirt one day that says, I hate morning people, I hate mornings, and well, yeah, I hate people too. But that's not true. I, I say that to protect myself. I say that so I don't have to be vulnerable in front of other people. But sometimes that's where the Lord wants us to be. Because then that way, he can work through us. Because when we're vulnerable, we're humble. When we're humble, we're willing to let him work. And when we're willing to let him work, he will do things that are absolutely mind-boggling. You know, and I, you know, we hear these praise reports. Well, I, I just asked my PO for this, this, and this. I didn't think I'd get it all. I I had a very big moral failing in my eyes about six weeks ago. I went through a staffing about ten days ago. And I was upset at myself because I hurt a lot of people. And I really thought I was going to lose a lot of privileges. And I just prayed and I said, Lord, I will share it with you and share it with everybody else inside. Well, if you see me through this, I'll give you praise for it. You walk into the staffing in faith, told them everything, walked out, didn't lose a single privilege. That's good. That's good. I give God blessings for that.
And I'm going to learn from that. That was something I also pray. And I pray for you guys when you're going through things. Is that the lessons that we're trying to learn through hard times are not lost on us? Because that's how we grow up. God is jealous over us. He wants to protect us as his possession. I can't emphasize how much he loves us. He is loving and he is gracious and he is compassionate. But he is holy. And we don't think about that. What does it mean to be holy? It means set apart. God is a being that is not just morally pure, but it's so different that we really can't comprehend it. And all we can say is, you are holy. He is righteous. He is merciful. He is compassionate, but He is holy, and He will not tolerate threats to the relationship that He has paid so dearly for. As we close, I would just ask for a moment if you guys would bow your heads, and if you could just take a moment to think about what God wants us for, wants for us. So often we can see his hand in our lives. So maybe we choose to ignore that. Sometimes he speaks to us in ways that only we can hear. And we choose to ignore. Lord, I just pray. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a clear vision. Lord, a, a, a clear vision of you, of your love, of how you want us to be in relationship with you. Lord, so many things that we do are such an offense to you, we don't even consider it. Lord, we just cast it aside as, you know, it's just a piece of trash. But Lord, we know you've given us a heart to follow you. Lord, I pray that that spirit would just grow in us. Lord, that you would stir up those flames. And that we would revere you as holy. And we would keep that in mind. Lord, that you would make us more mindful of the relationship that you initiated, that you created, that you keep. Lord, we thank you that no one can take us away from you. No one can take away from you from your hand. 
celebrate, we shall, some of us, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. But sometimes it is good to be reminded of just not only how holy God is, but how valuable he sees his relationship with each and every one of us. There are people in the New Testament that the Bible talks about giving over to Satan. But it doesn't stop there. It says giving over to Satan so that their flesh can be destroyed so that their soul is saved. And we may even know people in our life that we think, wow, they just went deep into whatever it is that they've gone into. They've left the church. They've left family, they've left everything and just gone on their own way and did whatever it is that their heart desired and were consumed by. And we think their life is over. But God allowed it so that eventually they would learn because he values us that much. It's a sobering reminder. I'm not saying that to say to be solemn and not praise God and come in here and be joyful and exuberant. But sometimes that reminder, because sin does knock on the door for each and every one of us. Sin, issues, desires, and as he pointed out, Satan even came after Jesus. Satan came after Adam and Eve, moral perfection as he called it. And we're born in sin, which means that it's not that hard to reel this fish in unless we hold on to Jesus Christ. And to be reminded of that, to look at sin as detrimental as it is and to say, that is not for me. And to look at God and say, I don't understand it. I don't see it. And it's not always easy, but this is where my life is. So I pray that as we hear these words, and as we meditate on them, as we go through the week, that we're just reminded of what tries to cheaply and easily take us away from God. And yet, how valuable God considers us that he gave us a priceless sacrifice in order to atone for us, in order to bring us back. That should give us solemnness towards the ways of the world that try to get us to follow. And it should give us true joy for the ways of God and the love of God 
that he is trying to show us on a daily basis. Would you all lift your hands for the benediction? Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, let the church say. Amen. 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 Amen.